Well, g'day everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of The Journey. My name's Jude Hennessy, and we've got a really, really good show for you this week. I mean it. You're going to hear from some fantastic people. We've got the Bush Deacon, Josh Clayton. He's got something to share us about just sitting down in front of a fire pit. How good's that? We've got a faith story, a testimony from Anne Byrne. She's from Darwin in the Northern Territory. A bit of a, her life and faith journey. Father Mike Delaney from down in Tasmania. We love Father Mike. He's just a champ. He's going to talk to us about a birthday celebration and a few few things he learnt. Mother Hilda Scott, of course, the giver of life she's going to speak about today. God is the giver of life. And to kick us off, we've got Father Joe Murphy. Isn't that a great name, Father? Joe Murphy. He's going to talk to us about leading, well, getting led home by Jesus. He's going to break open for us the, the Gospel of Luke 15, 1 to 32. It's the long version we're going to hear today. How Jesus eats and drinks with sinners. We're going to hear that and and hear about how Jesus is the good shepherd searching for us. We'd better get into it. A bit of Bethel music in the mix there as well. Let's hear the gospel now from Max Norden, and then we'll be hearing from Father Joseph Murphy. Top fella. Faith, hope, love and life. Big show lined up for you this week. So glad you've joined us on the journey. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The tax collectors and sinners were all seeking the company of Jesus to hear what he had to say. And the Pharisees and scribes complained. This man, they said, welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. What man among you with a hundred sheep, losing one, would not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the missing one till he found it? And when he found it, would he not joyfully take it on his shoulders and then, when he got home call together his friends and neighbours. Rejoice with me, he would say. I have found my sheep that was lost. In the same way, I tell you, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one repentant sinner than over ninety-nine virtuous men who have no need of repentance. Or again, what woman with ten drachmas would not, if she lost one, light a lamp and sweep out the house and search thoroughly till she found it? And then, when she had found it, call together her friends and neighbours. Rejoice with me, she would say. I've found the drachma I lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing among the angels of God over one repentant sinner. He also said, A man had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, let me have the share of the estate that would come to me. So the father divided the property between them. A few days later, the younger son got together everything he had and left for a distant country, where he squandered his money on a life of debauchery. When he had spent it all, that country experienced a severe famine, and now he began to feel the pinch. So he hired himself out to one of the local inhabitants, who put him on his farm to feed the pigs. And he would willingly have filled his belly with the husks the pigs were eating, but no one offered him anything. Then he came to his senses and said, How many of my father's paid servants have more food than they want, and here am I, dying of hunger. I will leave this place and go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son, Treat me as one of your paid servants. So he left the place and went back to his father. 
While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with pity. He ran to the boy, clasped him in his arms and kissed him tenderly. Then his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the calf we have been fattening and kill it. We are going to have a feast, a celebration, because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now the elder son was out in the fields, and on his way back as he drew near the house, he could hear the music and dancing. Calling one of the servants, he asked what it was all about. Your brother has come, replied the servant, and your father has killed the calf we had fattened because he has got him back safe and sound. He was angry then and refused to go in, and his father came out to plead with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have slaved for you and never once disobeyed your orders. Yet you never offered me so much as a kid for me to celebrate with my friends. But... For this son of yours, when he comes back after swallowing up your property, he and his women, you kill the calf we had been fattening. The father said, My son, you are with me always and all I have is yours. But it was only right we should celebrate and rejoice, because your brother here was dead and has come to life. He was lost and is found. The Gospel of the Lord. And now, the Gospel Reflection with Father Joseph Murphy. One of the great joys of being a priest, at least in my current role, is to work in a hospital. I would go there and I visit regularly people who are sick, elderly, or at the end of their life. Sometimes I come across a very sad case where someone will say to me, Father, there is no way that God could forgive me. I have sinned too much. Not even a whole bucket of holy water is going to cleanse me of all my sinfulness. And it's very sad to hear that because it is completely contrary to this gospel that we hear today. If only they knew this gospel. Our Lord Jesus eats and drinks with sinners. And when the scribes and the Pharisees complain, he tells them the parable about the shepherd who goes in search of the one lost sheep. This one lost sheep who's far off from the rest, the shepherd goes and specially searches them out to lead them home. Our Lord Jesus says that there is more rejoicing in heaven over one repentant sinner, just as this shepherd would rejoice over finding this one lost sheep. This gospel is meant for you. Whatever your past, whatever your current circumstances, our God The true shepherd is searching for you and he wants to lead you home. There is more rejoicing over your repentance than if everyone had remained virtuous. So trust in our Lord Jesus' words today because they are meant for you. No one is beyond the forgiveness and the mercy of God. You're listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full.
I've been keeping Jesus at a distance, so afraid to let him get too close to the two lives I've been living, as if he couldn't see them both. Close enough to feel the warmth of the fire, far enough away for me to hide. But I'm tired of walking the wire between the darkness and the light. No more Jesus at a distance, no more pushing you away. I don't want to settle for the back row of some Sunday morning faith. So I'm holding nothing back now, cause there's nothing you don't see. No more Jesus at a distance, come change every part of me, every part of me. I was offered resurrection, but I settled for the grave. I had the chance to walk on water, but I chose to play it safe. I've been hiding from a healer. I thought my wounds were out of reach. But at the end of all my running, you're still running after me. So no more Jesus at a distance, no more pushing you. Away. I don't want to settle for the back road of some Sunday morning faith. So I'm holding nothing back now, cause there's nothing you don't see. No more Jesus at a distance can change every part of me, every part of me. No more pushing you away. I don't want to settle for the back row of some Sunday morning thing. So I'm holding nothing back now, cause there's nothing you don't see. No more Jesus at a distance can change every part of me, every part of me, every part of me. Nothing you don't see No more Jesus at a distance Come change every part of me No more Jesus at a distance Come change every part of me You're listening to The Journey Music, interviews and wisdom For living life to the full Now Wisdom from the Abbey with Mother Hilda. I remember one of the sisters telling me that her primary school nephew had returned home after a school excursion to some science exhibition. 
quite frightened. His father picked it up, and at dinner that night, he asked him about the day. It transpired that the little boy had been told all about the wonders of a particular machine that they'd seen, and he was worried that this machine would take over the world, come walking down his street, into his house, own his life. His father listened attentively, for the little one needed to be listened to, and then said, Glenn, did it have an electric plug? Did it have an on-off button? Yeah, said the little boy. Then said his father, you can always unplug it and turn it off. You're in charge, not the machine. A smile of sheer relief broke out on the little boy's face. Yeah, he said and undisturbed, continued to tuck into his dinner. Sometimes I think we forget that God is the creator of all life, not mankind. Whatever life, in inverted commas, we give to anything, a vacuum cleaner, a computer, whatever, it's always short-lived, because life, in its eternal, perpetual form, as we have it, is not ours to give. We talk about giving life to our children, but we don't. The life we've been given passes to them, and it passed to us from people who'd gone before us. If you go back far enough, you'll see that originally that life came from God. Furthermore, look around, Jill. We're surrounded by the life of God, even down to the smallest mosquito. It, too, has life given to it by God. Make yourself an observer of life this week. Because, you know, God is always and ultimately the giver of life. And he's doing it still. It's a free gift. So, as I said, make yourself an observer of life this week and see how much life there is all around you over which you have absolutely no control. Thanks so much to Mother Hilda Scott there. That was a challenge from her, well, really, about making yourself an observer of creation and life this week. And it's just the time to be doing it in this season of creation, particularly as God is the giver of life. Thank you to her. Thanks to Father Joe Murphy, who before the break broke open the gospel for us this week in a piece that he called Leading Us Home, breaking up the gospel of Luke 15, 1 to 32 that there'll be much rejoicing in heaven over one repentant sinner. After the break, we'll be hearing from Father Mike Delaney. We're going to talk to him about, well, we're going to hear from him about an experience he had in dining out with some great winemakers and for a birthday celebration. Anyway, it'll all make sense in a short moment or two. Here's Matthew West's Mercy is a Song. You're going to love this. And then after that, we'll have a bit of a break, a bit more music from Big Daddy Weave Alive and then diving in with Father Mike Delaney. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy. Hope you're enjoying the journey this week. Mercy is a song Singing to my heart Telling me it's okay Come just as you are I never heard a melody Like the one that's singing over me And I just want to sing along Cause mercy is a song Freedom is a choir Swaying back and forth Shining in the shadow Of a stained glass Sunday morning 
shouting hallelujah Yesterday is gone Our freedom is a cry And mercy is a song Singing on the journey faith hope and love for life in all its fullness I was dead in my transgressions wandering in sin I went searching for redemption down a road that had no end I was walking
Seeing God in life's everyday events, here's Father Mike Delaney. I recently celebrated a birthday. The exact number of birthdays is not important. But to celebrate, I invited some priest friends to join me at a restaurant where we could enjoy some great food. And because it was a BYO, I would provide the wine. We had a great night, some great stories and much laughter as we experienced what six different winemakers did with grapes from a 36-row section of a single vineyard. Each winemaker was given six rows, for example, 1, 7, 13, 2, 8, 14, etc., which they then used to make a wine according to their style. Before you get worried about the quantity we each drank, we only had a little of each bottle, and the remainder came home. But each taste was enough to know that each winemaker had produced a wine which was very different, and there was much discussion about which of the six was the best. Even though I like wine, I'm not that much of a connoisseur, but I know what I like, and I'm not going to say which I thought was the best. The thing that amazed me, though, was it really should have been obvious was how different people created something different from the same starting point. Just think about how we go about our everyday living. In our suburb, we have the same weather conditions, 
Yet different people respond differently. Just look at the clothes you see people wearing as you wander around your suburb or look at the variety even within your own family. Give a group of people the same problem to solve and provide them with the same resources and we can have an incredible number of different responses. God has given each of us a variety of gifts and talents and allows us to use them to the best of our ability or not. As a look at how others have used the opportunities that have been offered them, I wonder what I might have done with those same opportunities if I'd been really aware of what was at stake. Hang on, if that's the way I'm thinking, then there's a danger that I'm never going to try anything. And it's not a matter of trying to be better than someone. It's simply using the gifts I have and doing the best I can. In chapter 25 of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus talks about the man who went away and left his servants with a various number of talents. Some went and used them, but one buried his. He was afraid of what might be demanded of him, and because he was afraid, he did nothing. Me, the six winemakers, you, all of us can be challenged to do something new or different. But what does it matter if what I do or achieve is different from what you might try? I remember a long time ago hearing someone say that the opposite of love isn't hate, it's apathy. I think we could safely say then that the opposite of trying is not failing, but it's never having a go. So a question that I might throw out to you today, what wine can you make from the opportunities that you're being given today? Well, thank you very much to Father Mike Delaney there from uh, from down in Tasmania, down in Hobart. Big cheerio to all of our listeners down there and to just about every single stra- state and territory around Australia. Hope you're enjoying today's show. To all of our partnering radio stations, it's just, just such an honour to be partnering with you and hope the journey is blessing you and your listeners in this wonderful thing we call Christian Radio and a few community radio stations too and lots of people who get the show each and every week on podcast. And Father Mike just told us that the opposite of trying is not failing, it's never having a go. And some great insights from the six winemakers who variously said that we can all be challenged to do something new or different. It was part of a birthday dining out celebration that he had. And like always, he's open to what the Spirit is saying and how he's being prompted in learning and growing in discipleship just as he was in this experience. After the break, you're going to be hearing from Anne Byrne. She's from Darwin in the Northern Territory. She's doing net this year. She is an absolute champion. She was hard at work last week in a, in a big event that we had in, in Wollongong called the Live Festival that we held at the Wollongong Entertainment Centre where the gospel was preached powerfully to, to upwards of 600 young people. We had some great people there and Anne was very much in the mix making that day happen. We're going to hear from her after the break. First up though, here's Matt Redman, 10,000 Reasons. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy. Hope you're enjoying the journey this week. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. 
Love and life. This is The Journey. On The Journey now, it's time to hear from somebody else about their faith journey. And today, I've got Anne Byrne. Anne's from Darwin. So, Anne, tell me a bit about yourself. Right, so, I'm 23, and before coming on net, I was doing computer science at university, and I was also working as a sales associate in the university bookshop. And I've been doing youth ministry 
for years and years and years, since I was 14, I think. Oh, okay. So you're an old hand at this. Yeah. (laughs) There's not a a lot of interest from younger people in the Territory to stick their hand up and do youth ministry. So when someone, even when they're 14 years old, says, I want to do something like this, they're like, yes, come do this. Here's all the things you can do. Okay. So you're doing it at school and left school, started to do uni? Took a bit of a break. People like to work before they head off. And also my family was having a bit of medical complications at the time. So I was like, I'm going to take some time out, take some time till things die down a little bit. Okay. So tell me a bit about how did you get into net then? Where, where does net appear in this journey for you? Just a bit before I started getting into youth ministry myself, uh, there was a national team that would travel through Darwin every year and I would go to events that they'd run and go, I'm going to do that someday. And then Last year, I was speaking to someone that was on the Darwin team the year before, and she asked me if I'd thought about doing something like NET, and I was like, oh, I did, but then I just didn't apply for it, and then a week later, I was putting in my application to go. Okay, so tell me a little bit about the process that happened then. So you filed the application, so for someone listening who thought, "Mm, maybe NET's for me, tell me about that application process. First, they ask you to put an expression of interest in. It's just like your contact details and then one of the recruiting officers at NET will call you and they'll say, hey, what's led you to put in your expression of interest? And then they'll send you the application form, which is, I think, five pages. Uh, But it gets a lot longer by the time you've finished filling in your own story because they ask you about where you are in your faith journey, where you're at in life. After you've done the application process, obviously at some point you get selected. So is there some pre-training? What what happens there? So first they go through your application and then there's an interview process. And then once they've gone together with their team and prayed and discerned it a little bit, uh, they'll get back to you and say, yep, we'd like you to join. And then training starts in January and you're there for about six weeks and then you get sent off to the local diocese that you'll be working and living okay. in. So where, where's the actual training? Uh, it's in Brisbane mm-hmm. um, on the Sunshine Coast. Great. So you've completed almost a year or your first year in net. So what options are open to you now? There's a few. I could go back to completing my degree or I could do a second year with Net Australia or I could go overseas and join one of the nets in America, Canada or Ireland. Okay, so what are you thinking about? Which option? Probably staying in Net Australia for a little bit longer. Not quite ready to jump over the ditch just yet. And I think there's a lot more that I could learn from the staff here in Australia before moving somewhere else. Okay, tell me about all this learning process. Looking back over this last year, what do you think has been the biggest change to you as the result of being in Net? What's changed about your spirituality or or your life as being in Net? I've definitely become more confident. A large part of NET is teaching people to become leaders, not just within like youth ministry spaces, but within the church in general. And I've definitely become more confident in using my voice to steer things in a direction that I think would be fruitful. Great. All right. Well, we wish you all the best. Thanks for being on the journey with us, sharing your story with uh, with all our people. Thanks for having me. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close 
I'm Nicholas from Beaconsfield in New South Wales, and you're on the journey. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your head. on the journey 
faith, hope and love for life in all its fullness. And now here's the Bush Deacon, Josh Clayton. One thing that has been extremely interesting over the last few years, and I think it has come out of our experiences of COVID, has been this sudden rise of the numbers of fire pits that people have. I don't know whether you've noticed, but if you ever go to any of the big box hardware stores, you'll see at this time of year especially a long line of fire pits there for us to buy at our leisure. And I must admit, I've been one of those ones that have taken the opportunity to to look for that perfect fire pit at a reasonable price to be able to have in our backyard. Why do we want to have a fire pit? Why do we want to have fire in our backyards? Why do we want to go to parties and get excited when we see an experience of wood being burnt? I'm not going to get into the environmental consequences of this, but people are after a space where they can sit and look at a fire. It's not just, I think, because we're all deep down pyromaniacs. I think it's because there's something calming and relaxing. Quite often you'll see people sitting at events, just looking at the flames, dancing in front of them, just watching and feeling that heat, feeling that experience of being near that fire. I think there's something calming in it, something that people find uplifting and transformative. It's a little bit like when we take time for silent prayer, where we just allow ourselves to be in the moment, to not be rushed to not talk, but to just be silent and be with God. Jesus did that a lot. He went away to his quiet place, went away to took time away from everyone else. In our world that is so loud and so busy, maybe we all just need a little bit more silence. Maybe we all just need a few more fire pits in our lives, the times to sit and look at those flames and hear what God is saying to us, and maybe even be inspired by the Holy Spirit speaking to us today. As we journey, as we continue to live our lives as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, let's not be afraid to be silent. Silence not bad. Silence is a good thing, and it's needed for each and every one of us. Go find a fire pit. Spend some time sitting, listening to God. God will talk to you more than you probably realise or even expect.
friend so faithful Who will all our sorrows share Jesus knows our every weakness Take it to the Lord in prayer another week down well and truly into spring hope you're having a great weekend wherever you are you might be listening to this show midweek lots of people listen to it as a podcast but i hope you've enjoyed the the great insights you've been able to get this week from people like the bush deacon josh clayton who we just heard from then his story about sitting in front of a fire pit i've done that a few times particularly out in the in the middle of nowhere i love nothing more than doing that and hearing what uh, what god's saying to us just been silent with God. Thanks to him. Thanks to, to Anne Byrne, who gave her testimony this week as a member of the NET team, Father Mike Delaney from down in Tasmania, Mother Hilda Scott, and Father Joe Murphy, who gave us the gospel reflection, courtesy of Mass for You at Home. We, we get these, these great, succinct gospel reflections, or homilies, as we sometimes call them each and every week. Thank you to, to them, and thank you to Father Joe. To Max Norton, who's put the show together. He does a great job. Thank you, Max. And we will be doing this all again next week as we head into the 25th Sunday in Ordinary Time. won't be too long and we'll be heading into the Advent season, that preparation for Christmas. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy and you have been with us on The Journey. The Journey is presented by Jude Hennessy and produced by Max Norton from the Office of the Bishop in the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong.